Grace for leading us so capably today in worship. Today we continue our sermon series from the Gospel of Mark. We're up to Mark chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. After today, we're going to take a pause and we're going to do some other things in terms of preaching and, and teaching on Sunday mornings. And then we're going to resume the series in January of 2024 as we begin a series on the passion of Jesus Christ. That is the next section in the Gospel of Mark, chapters 14, 15, and 16, just in time for Easter of next year. So today will be our last message on this particular uh, book, at least for a few months, and then we'll pick it up and we'll finish it up. So, which will be great because we've been at this, I don't know how many years, so, but it's been a good study, has it not? I don't know. I hope you've enjoyed hearing about it as much as I have enjoyed preaching and teaching. And today we're up to Mark chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. We invite all of you who are watching online or listening to our podcast, thank you so much for being a part of our family and listening as well. Mark chapter 13, beginning at verse 32, hear the word of God. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Let's pray. God, would you come today and just speak to us? Open our hearts, open our minds, as we silence our lips, as we still our bodies, we focus intently on what it is that your spirit is saying to the church today, even to Grace Church. Lord, we don't want to miss it. We want to hear you loud and clearly come through this message, your word today. So God, just open our hearts. And speak to us fresh and anew. Encourage us and exhort us. Comfort us and challenge us. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. People loved by God, have you ever been caught off guard? I mean, you were absolutely not prepared for something that maybe just happened or was about to happen. Maybe you were a little kid. The bus pulled up. You were not ready for school. Mom is shouting, get ready. The bus is here. The bus is here. Anybody remember those days? Yep. Get to the bus stop. Maybe you missed the bus. Maybe your homework assignment was due, but you didn't do it. The dog ate my homework, teacher. That's not going to fly. Maybe the bills are due. They're piling up. You're not ready. You don't have the money to pay them. Maybe Christmas is coming too fast. You hadn't finished your shopping yet and it's here. Or it's time for church. Church is starting. You're just getting out of bed on Sunday morning. You're not even in the car yet. Come on, kids, hurry up. Let's go. You know, not being ready 
can be a little embarrassing at times. You can be caught off guard. You might be shocked or surprised a, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I was going to call you and ask you if I could use this in the sermon today. A couple of weeks ago, it's too late. Yeah, sorry. It's gone. We're gone with this. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, Russ and Barb Holvin celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. How about a big wow? Isn't that cool? So... And the kids threw them a surprise party. The word was mom, keep it silent. And they had gotten the word out. They threw a big surprise over at the, the community center in Parkersburg. Uh, the kids had invited all kinds of family and friends. And I was fortunate enough to get an invitation. And so I got to go. And so we all gathered there, kind of, in, we were really, not really in hiding, but we were there. We had to get there early. And they wanted us to be there half an hour early so that Russ and Barb, when they come, the grandkids were detaining them and distracting them. And not yet, not yet. And that was all under the ruse that, oh, this was a, an event for Connor, which wasn't the case at all. Okay, Russ and Barb walk in. Surprise! Happy anniversary! They were, I mean, they about fell over, right? I mean, it was like we had really gotten them good. Surprises can be fun. Sometimes they can be a little embarrassing. Mark chapter 13 can be summed up in two simple words. Be ready. Say it with me, be ready. We've already been told about the signs of the end of the age earlier in this chapter. We've been warned about false prophets and messiahs, wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, the persecution of believers, the abomination that causes desolation, dreadful and distressing days ahead, the breakdown of family, false Christ, deceivers, a planetary shakeup and trying times to come. And most all of these things have already taken place in the first century in the fall of Jerusalem to the Romans in 70 AD. And in fact, most of these things have marked every generation since then. But there is still one thing missing, one very important thing yet to come, the return of Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is coming again? And you better be ready. Jesus exhorts us in verses, verse 33, be on guard, be alert. In verse 37, watch. What I say, I say to all of you, watch. The question I want to ask you this morning, are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Are you ready for the day of the coming of the Lord? Are you ready even for the day of judgment are you ready to meet your maker, the Lord God? Today I want to help you get ready. There are three really important things that must be said about Mark chapter 13, especially verses 32 through 37. You might want to grab your outline and fill them in as we go. Number one, Jesus is coming again. Turn to your neighbor right now, somebody near you, and simply say it. Jesus is coming again. <laughs> you, you don't have to discuss it. Just say it. Okay. Backing up to verse 26, at that time, men or people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. 
In John chapter 14, Jesus said, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Say it with me. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. In 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Say it with me. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. What a glorious day that's going to be. Amen? Amen. In the parable of the sheep and the goats, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes, speaking of Himself now, in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, that is, all the peoples, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the return of Jesus? Will you be a sheep, part of His sheepfold? of the good shepherd, or will you be one of the goats? Friends, the Bible really does teach in the literal, visible, and personal return of Jesus Christ to this earth. It's what we believe as Christians. The first time Jesus came as a little bitty baby born in a stinky, smelly Bethlehem stable on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and almost no one noticed. But the second coming Jesus will arrive as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as we've just sung, in glory, honor, and victory, and all will see. Amen? Amen. The imagery of the book of Revelation speaks of Jesus coming on a white horse and riding on the clouds, a symbol of power and authority. In Revelation 22, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone what he has done. Friends, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and He is coming as King and Lord and Judge. Are you ready? He will gather His people to Himself from all over the earth. He will reward each person according to what He has done. How will you fare on that day? How will you fare on that day? For some, it will be a glorious day, a day of celebration, as we've just sung. Believers in Jesus look forward to this day of the Lord, a day in which evil is destroyed. The devil is finally defeated once and for all, and death and destruction no longer reign. It is a day of the perfect kingdom of God, and it will finally be established, this kingdom of love and joy and peace and justice and righteousness. It's what we believers all look forward to. But for others... It will be a most dreadful day, a terrible day of judgment, of weeping, of regret, and of grief. The fact is, the Bible really does teach about a real place called heaven and a real place called hell. And only those saved by the blood of Jesus Christ that are redeemed and trust in Him by faith will be saved and will go to heaven. The fate of everyone else is eternal separation from God for all eternity. Which camp will you be in? It's my prayer to see you in heaven. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your heart to Him? Have you said, Jesus, I need you, I love you, I want you in, in my life? Lord, I can't do it without you. 
Come, Lord, be the Lord. Be the leader of my life. I'm putting you in the driver's seat. Not my will, but your will, O Lord, be done. Have you done that? Has there been a time in your life where you can say, I have done that? Are you ready? Are you ready for the return of Jesus? Because Jesus is coming again. Number two, Jesus is cautioning against. Say it with me. Jesus is cautioning against. What is he cautioning against? The fact is we do not know when Jesus is returning. It may be tomorrow. It may be 10 years from now. It could be 10,000 years from now. It could be this afternoon or this evening during the Chiefs game. From the beginning of time, and especially in recent times, prognosticators have emerged as so-called authorities on the return of Christ. They present charts and timelines based on calculation and speculation, and every time they have been wrong. Remember Y2K? The changing of the millennium? Okay, 2000, people were frightened. They were scared. They thought, oh my goodness, what's going to happen at 1201 on January 1 of 2000? And people predicted that this was it. This was the end. The end is coming. All the computer systems are going to crash. TV systems are going to be no more. All of a sudden, your electrical power is going to go off. Right, Barb? Yeah. Yep. Ask her brother what he did. He played a little prank on them at, on that midnight. Oh, that was so funny. The power went out. Can you imagine? That was so funny. Well, it was funny for the rest of us, but maybe not for you. So, yeah. Y2K, it was the end of the world. What happened at 1201? Nothing. Unless you lived at Barb's house. <laughs> when her brother tripped the fuses over, turned off the lights. Well, then they said, okay, now hold it, we got this wrong. It, really, the beginning of the millennium does not start until 2001. It's one more, one more year. Remember that? Okay, okay, so what's going to happen? One more year, 2001, midnight, 1201, January 1, what happened? Nothing, Nothing happened. The ball dropped and that was it, just like everything else, right? Okay. Mark 13 was not written for calculation. Mark 13 was written for preparation. Let me say it again. Mark 13 was not written for calculation. It was written for preparation for you and me to be ready. If you want to be made a fool of, predict the return of Jesus Christ. Hear the testimony of Scripture on this. Mark 13, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert, you do not know when the time will come. And Jesus goes on to explain, this is like a man going away. He leaves his house, he puts his servants in charge, each one with an assigned task, and he tells one of them at the door to keep watch. Now be on the lookout, be on guard, because the owner is returning. So keep watch, you do not know when the owner will, the house will come back, whether it will be in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Are you sleeping? Hopefully not right now. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Anybody here planning for the thief? Say, no, you know, nobody knows when the thief is going to come. If you knew when he'd come... 
you would have locked the doors or you would have kept him out. In Matthew 24, as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. It will be sudden, it will be surprising, it will be shocking to many. And people have been predicting this return since the beginning of time. And in Mark 13, Jesus is saying, don't bother calculating, you got to get ready preparing. Jesus is warning us against foolish speculation. If that's your focus, you miss the point. How many of you know that God's time is not our time? God has his own clock, doesn't he? His own timetable. You know, uh, your, your, uh, your husband, uh, those of you who are married, or your husband or your partner is in the, in, the, in the living room watching the football game. And you say, honey, come on, it's time for, for supper. Get in here. You know, the food's getting cold. Oh, there's just three minutes left in the game. How many of you know that the game clock and the clock on the wall or your watch is not the same? That three minutes, by the time you take into account timeouts, the two-minute warning, timeouts for injuries, official timeouts, commercial breaks, that three minutes can turn into 15 or even 20. God's timing is not our timing. In 2 Peter 3, verse 8, do not... Oh, let me, let me back up a little bit. I almost forgot this one. Yeah. Remember what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, the pouring out of the Spirit? He was trying to explain it, what was happening. People were baffled. They were dumbfounded by the Spirit and people speaking in tongues. And, and so, so Peter explains it this way. He said, this is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God says, say it with me, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And those last days, the Spirit being poured out, were 2,000 years ago. Are we living in the end times, the last days? You bet. They've already begun. They've already commenced. We're still living in those times, right? That was 2,000 years ago. That was the last days. 2 Peter 3.8 says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With, a day, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. A story of a man once who asked God, and he said, God, he said, uh, what is uh, a million years like to you? What, what's a million years like? And God said, well, a million years in your time is but a second, one second to me. A man thought for a moment, and he said, well, God, then, what is a million dollars like to you? I mean, what, what is a million dollars? What does that mean to you? And God said, well, a million dollars like to you is only like but one penny for me. And the man thought about this for a moment, and he worked up the courage to ask God another question. He said, okay, God, if, if a million years are like a second and a million dollars are like but a penny. He said, Lord, could I have just one penny? To which God responded, sure, just wait one second. (laughs) 
Jesus is coming again. Jesus is warning against foolish speculation. God's time, it's different than ours. And number three, Jesus is calling to all. Just say it with me. Jesus is calling to all. What's the point? What is Jesus saying to us through Mark 13? He's saying, be ready. Notice the exhortations found in today's passage. Be on guard. Be alert. Keep watch. Watch. Mark 13 was written so we could be prepared for Jesus' return, not that we would fear it, that we might not be caught sleeping or caught off guard. But the kind of watching Jesus is calling us to is not a passive watching like sitting on your couch watching TV. No, the kind of watching Jesus is calling all of us to is more like a storm spotter watching the clouds and the sky for approaching storms. It's an active kind of watching. And there are four things that we do to actively keep watch. We actively keep watch by number one, by living a pure life. Say it with me, by living a pure life. This involves not only being deceived or not being deceived by false prophets and teachers and political leaders who claim to be Christian but are not. Jesus warns us in Mark 13 about great deceivers leading many, even the elect, even Christians astray. Yes, that's a part of it, but living a pure life also means not being deceived by sin, not falling into the devil's trap, not necessarily going along with everything just because everybody's doing it or it's the popular thing to do. In 1 Peter 2.12, the author says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits. Is there something in your life that doesn't belong there? Is there an action, an attitude that is not holy and pleasing unto God? How do you stand out from the ways of the world? Do you stand out in ways that would make people want to glorify God? Do you stand out at all? Do we? Does Grace Church? Are we any different than anyone else? Living a pure life means keeping your nose clean. Live an exemplary life of purity before others in the world and before God. Live a pure life. We actively keep watch by living a productive life, living a productive life. In other words, get on with the work of ministry. Don't be a sky gazer like those early disciples in the first chapter of the book of Acts when Jesus ascended into heaven and they stood there gazing at the sky. Where did he go? Where did he go? Huh. Two men dressed in white appeared next to them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into the sky? This same Jesus who has ascended into heaven will one day come back in the same way that he ascended. He's going to return to earth. In other words, get on with ministry. You've got work to do. Don't be a sky gazer. Get on with the work of ministry, mission, and witness. Don't be like the Thessalonians who stopped working altogether. They simply wanted to wait for the return of Jesus. He's, he's coming back any day, any moment. They quit their jobs just to, to be ready. They started to mooch off from other people. And Paul says this against this kind of idleness in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 
For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They're not busy. They're busy bodies. And such people we command and urge in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread that they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is right. I love that expression. Never tire of doing what is right. In other places, we're told never to lose your spiritual fervor, your zeal for the Lord. For me personally, I want to work as hard as I can, as long as I can, to win as many people to Jesus as I can while I have life and breath. There's a story uh, about colonial New England uh, where state legislators had gathered and were doing their business in a, some sort of state house. And many, many years ago, uh, a solar eclipse came over the land at the same time that they were gathered in, in session. And back in those days, they didn't really understand what, this was, what was happening. This is, it started to get dark in the middle of the day. It was dark out. It spooked them. They were frightened. They were scared. And somebody moved. We, we, we must adjourn. It's the end of the world. To which one legislator said, Mr. Speaker, if we adjourn and it is not the end of the world, we're going to look really foolish. If it is the end of the world, I would rather be found doing my duty faithfully. May we, may Grace Church, be found doing our duty faithfully. Live purely. Live a productive life. Thirdly, live a proclaiming life. Mark 13, 9 through 11 has already told us that we will have opportunity to be witnesses, even to those in high places during these end times. Jesus says in Mark, or excuse me, Acts 1.8, you will be witnesses, my witnesses, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all peoples, all nations. Do you know that there are two things you can do on earth that you just cannot do in heaven? Two things. Number one, sin. Number two, witness. Tell others about Jesus. Because in heaven, there will be no sin, and in heaven, everybody will know Jesus. You won't have to tell them about Jesus. Now, which of those two things, sinning or witnessing, do you think God has left us here for? Somebody said sinning. No, no, no. It's witnessing, right? So may we get on with the work of ministry and witness. It's the reason that Jesus has not yet returned. In Peter, he said, God is not slow in keeping his promises. He is waiting and wanting everyone to repent, that no one would perish. We live in this time of witness, of mission, of the church, and and the time may be short, but one day it will be too late. The Lord is now graciously waiting for people to, to turn to Him. The question I ask you is, who do you know that you need to share Jesus with? 
Is there a young person, a child, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a classmate? Who do you know right now in your life? And I bet you there's at least one person who does not yet know Jesus Christ. Needs to know, and you could be the one to tell them. Fourthly, we actively watch and keep watch by living a pure life, by living a productive life, living a proclaiming life, and fourthly and finally, by living a praising life. Mark 13 may sound like gloom and doom to many, but if there's one thing Christians should be and can be, even in the midst of trying times, it is joyful, full of praise for our great and awesome God. Because joy transcends happiness. It is not dependent upon your circumstances. We may praise God even in the midst of trials. As we saw last week in Mark 13, there are glimmers of grace and glimpses of hope. Jesus has shortened the days for us. Jesus has told us these things ahead of time. We have insider information. No need for alarm or panic or fear. Yes, in this world we will have trouble, but Jesus says, okay, I have overcome the world, so take heart. Yes, God cares and God calms and God comes to us, so let us live freely and confidently in His grace. May we praise Him in all times, at all times. And sometimes that takes, like, work. You know, I've got to train my brain. I've got to train my brain. I've got to cut out the stinking thinking. And I've got to train my brain to think positively, to praise God. What I found that there's always reasons to thank and praise God. You lay your head on the pillow at night, think of three things, name three things that you're thankful for, that you can praise God for, that it happened that day. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is cautioning against. Jesus is calling to all. Be ready. How much time do you spend preparing for upcoming events? Some of you might already be planning your Thanksgiving meal. Maybe some of you have started your Christmas shopping already. Some of you may be done with Christmas shopping already. Anybody done it? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. It could be dangerous. He's done, right? Calvin's done. All right, maybe you're planning a, a birthday party or a surprise anniversary party. Maybe you're planning saving for retirement. You've been do doing that for years or you're looking ahead to a family vacation next summer. Think about all the time we spend preparing for upcoming events. And now I ask you, how much time do you spend, do we spend preparing for the return of Christ, the most cataclysmic event, the most stunning event of all of human history that is yet to happen? Are you ready? Have you been preparing? The older I get, the more years that I live, the more I realize how quickly time goes by, how fast the days go, how fast the years go by. Friends, there's no guarantees about tomorrow. There's no guarantee about next week. There's no guarantee about next year. God may be seeing today, now, this week, I want you to do something. You need to, maybe there's something you need to do. Maybe there's someone you need to reach out to. 
Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to be reconciled to somebody where there's tension right now. Maybe there's something in your own life that you need to get clean. And God is graciously giving us all time to do this, to do these things. Would you do them? For those who never thought much about the end time or the return of Christ, Mark 13 is a warning and exhortation. Watch, be alert, get ready. For those who are fixated on end times, Mark 13 reminds us that this world has always been crazy and chaotic in every generation, that most of these signs have appeared in every lifetime. But for followers of Jesus, we should not be caught off guard. Let us, may we, Grace Church, be ready for the glorious and great return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God and Father, come before us, Lord, we pray. Thank you, God, for being present here today in this message, in our music and worship. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace. Forgive us, God, when we have sort of gone on through our daily routines without much thought of your return. Lord, the time is short and the days are urgent. We have a message to proclaim. We have the love of Jesus to share with others. Let us do it before it's too late that we might win some to you. And God, may we in our own lives be prepared and ready to forgive us and cleanse us, Lord. Let us live purely, productively before you. May our lives be that of praise. For the day of the Lord is coming. We celebrate. We look forward to it when love has come. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.